in the morning when you want the news you need the front page every hour on the press box nothing's writing on this except the uh, first amendment the constitution freedom of the press and maybe the future of the country not that any of that matters and now the news According to Sam Gordon of the Review Journal, UNLV is set to hire Eric Harper as the athletic director. He has been the interim this year since Desiree Francois left for Missouri. Uh, He's worked at UNLV since 2012. Do you take Eric Harper to be the safe choice for UNLV? I don't know what the pool looks like. Overall, I don't know whether you had folks who were interested at a higher name, or I should say a bigger name or a higher level, but uh, for UNLV right this moment, I don't know that it's a splash time for the Rebels, right? I, I think this might just be a time to sort of take stock and figure out where we are and where we're going, and maybe staying internal is the right way to do that because when you've got two and three thousand people showing up at UNLV basketball games, in all seriousness, it's not a time where you think, well, maybe we bring in the right coach and it fixes all that. Yeah, maybe. But how many times have you tried that now and not had it go your way? Maybe it really is time for this program to just sit back and take stock. So here's what I'm curious, and I, I don't know what the right answer to this is, but like What's going to define success for an athletic director at UNLV? Because what I could not get over during her entire tenure with Desiree Francois is that at her introductory press conference, before she even spoke, Lynn Jessup, as he's introducing her, says the goal is for us to be in a power conference and Desiree Francois is going to lead us there. Like that was the very first gauntlet thrown down when she got introduced. That's just setting up an AD for failure, if that's what you're expecting. But I also, I'm not like, that is the ultimate goal for any program that's not in a power conference, even if it's unrealistic. But I I don't, like, how do we define success? Is it simply getting attendance back at UNLV basketball games? We'll go back to what you just said there, Tyler. I think there's a great place to go within the idea of getting to a power conference. Because as we know... No athletic director can get a team into a power conference, but you can put that team in a position that when we were going through the discussions we were just going through in the last few months of who's going to go where, that you're at least relevant. And so when they were talking about Colorado State being a program that might be recruited even to go to a bigger group of five, that was the ultimate indictment of where UNLV is right now. Because Colorado State is a program that had a disaster in football with Steve Adazio and has had a disaster in the past few years in basketball with Larry Eustachie and yet still was a program that was well more wanted, bad English, than UNLV was. But for UNLV, right now, you're just not relevant. Uh, You're not. And you can't look at it any other way. So... Success, Tyler, I think has to start with just being in the discussion, let alone being the best part of the discussion. Oh, Next question. Standing in your corner. Next question. The Jets beat the Golden Knights 5-4 to four in overtime yesterday. More importantly, though, the Golden Knights cut the Jet in half again during the pregame show. This is the best pregame show they've ever done. If you haven't seen it, they've got a Jet that's projected onto the ice. It's on a runway. It's going straight for the Golden Knight. 
and he cuts it in half. It splits off and explodes. Best pregame show they've ever done, and they brought it back. I was very excited. That is domestic terrorism, and I'm not happy with it. <laughs> it, feel, it feels very disrespectful to aviation Wait, wait, professionals. wait. They're from Canada. Is it domestic terrorism if they're from Canada? It happened here, did it not? Eh, okay. Okay. I don't care. Cut it in half. It's a great pregame show. It's Paul, great. Paul Stastny scoring goals. <laughs> Boy, I miss that guy. I Do wonder you? why they had to get rid of him. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Um, the Golden Knights, though, they played without Robin Leonard, Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty yesterday. Uh, plus, Jack Eichel and Alec Martinez are long-term. IR. But Max Pacioretty went from day-to-day to having wrist surgery. Robin Leonard last played on December 19th. Mark Stone last played on December 21st. We experienced this at the beginning of the year, and it was a lot of hay. This team just sort of stay around 500 because you've got so many injuries. Once you get healthier, you can sort of take off. We've seen a little bit of that. They've been atop the division uh, here in the Pacific. It's not a great division. It doesn't take a whole lot to be atop it. Uh, any concern that these are mounting again and we're going to be ta- having the same conversations about, well, stay 500 in January and then you'll be able to take off in February like we were earlier in the year? Of course I'm concerned about that because... We saw the difference. It was obvious. And I think you can go back to that four-game road trip to the East Coast before Christmas and see that, yeah, that this team at a full-strength roster is dangerous. Uh, they're as dangerous as they've been in the previous four years. But right now, as we once again operate behind the VGK cloak of secrecy, who the hell knows, right? Who the hell knows how good this team might or might not be because you charge your fans... $200 a seat to sit in the lower bowl. And then you're like, yeah, well, the best goal scorer you came to see, he might play tonight. He might. I don't, oh, yeah, he's out for months. Come on. Stop playing this cloak and dagger game. It's ridiculous. Hey, it was day to day of when Max Pratchett was going to have his surgery. They just this hadn't decided what day it was. So that's, you just, know, it wasn't a complete lie. My favorite is that, by contrast, we have the Jack Eichel situation in which every one of us became a, an expert in disc replacement <laughs> surgery versus fusing the spine. Like, we were having a full-on episode of House as opposed to trying to figure out, is Max Patch already coming back tomorrow or in April? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. The Titans beat the Dolphins 34-3. to That plus the Chiefs' loss to the Bengals means if Tennessee beats the Houston Texans next week, they are the number one seed in the AFC. Adam, the Titans are the blank best team in the AFC. Is Derrick Henry back for the playoffs? Sure, I'll give you Derrick Henry. Okay, you'll give me Derrick Henry back for the playoffs, which means that we have the Chiefs and the Bengals and the Patriots. Okay, all right. Uh, the healthy Tennessee Titans are probably the third best team in the AFC. Who are they for you? So I would say Bills and Chiefs are definitely better. I think I could argue them being third, uh, but I could also argue them being fifth if you think the Bengals and Patriots are better as well. I think if they're fully healthy, which is the conversation we're having here, you can make the argument they're third. But the interesting part, though... They're, I mean, they're not going to lose the Texans, but they're going to be the one seed, meaning they don't have to go on the road to win the AFC. And I think the 
the margins are small enough that, okay, I might think the Patriots are better, but it's only slightly, or I might think the Bengals are better, but it's only slightly because the game's going to be in Tennessee instead of New England or Cincinnati. I think they got a really good shot to actually do this, even if they are the third, fourth, or fifth best team in the AFC. Yeah, I, look, I have no question about that. And and when you look at the teams you just mentioned, Chiefs lost yesterday, and they spent half this season with everybody saying what's wrong with them. The Bills have lost to the Jaguars, and we're losing to the Falcons at halftime just yesterday. So is there anyone that you would confidently say is that much better? They're not that much better. So, yeah, you look at the Bengals, they're the hot team going into the playoffs. You look at the Patriots, and you say, how far can Bill Belichick get this version of Mac Jones? And you say, well, why couldn't the Titans do it? And the most obvious answer you can come up with is Todd Downing as the play caller. <laughs> K-Long told me a couple days ago, I, you got to get rid of this echo. <laughs> I can't talk. I'm drunk. Whatever. <laughs> Jalen Hurts was almost flattened by fans falling out of the stands when a railing collapsed after the Eagles beat Washington. Um, is that that's the worst stadium in the league now, right? Like the Raiders got out of the worst stadium, and now Washington has the worst stadium in the league. Almost almost took out Jalen Hurts. And that, friends, was the closest the Washington football team came to beating the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles yesterday by tackling their quarterback with a crush of fans coming out of the stands after the game. Thank you. Don't forget to tip your waitresses. Uh, yeah, and you're just making Danny Boy Snyder's case for him as to why he's been going to both the Virginia and the Maryland legislatures and trying to say that if you allow us to have sports betting inside our stadium, I'll consider bringing the team there when our lease is up at the end of the decade uh, at Don't Call Me RFK. So, yeah, Washington's going to end up playing this thing perfectly. They're going to end up getting a new stadium out of the deal. There's going to be sports betting inside the stadium. They're going to have a license for it, and they're still going to win seven games. Have you seen the reverse angle of the fans falling out of the crowd? Yes. Like, we're, we're talking like six inches from Jalen Hurts having his shoulder taken out by a railing and or just an entire fan. Like, that was... That was insanely close to Jalen Hurts probably suffering a severe injury in the second to last week of the season. Like, that is insane. And then, you know, he just helps everybody up and takes some pictures with them. And I'm sure that's what makes Philadelphia fans love him even more. So I can't confirm this. I just saw it on Twitter a little while ago. But uh, reports of Gardner Minshew holding a set of snap-on <laughs> tools uh, have not been confirmed. <laughs> I don't care about him. Next question. The biggest Gardner Minshew fan that is not a part of his family is in this room, and he is shaking his head. Not happy with Adam Candy right now. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to need surgery on his thumb after the season. Uh, he is going to try to play again this season. Trey Lance got the start on Sunday. The 49ers beat the Houston Texans. So... I think this kind of goes with our conversation about the Raiders and sort of, hey, this roster probably can't win a Super Bowl. If you're the 49ers right now, do you care more about trying to win now or seeing what you have in Trey Lance to help you make a decision this offseason on what to do with Jimmy Garoppolo? The question you ask yourself is, a hobbled Jimmy Garoppolo versus a healthy 
Trey Lance. And by the second half yesterday, you started to see what a healthy Trey Lance might mean to this team. Obviously, they're playing the Houston Texans. Take that with a grain of salt. They looked terrible in the first half. And Trey Lance was dinking and dunking all over the field. And then things started to click a little bit for him within that offense. So I think you could kind of have your cake and eat it too yeah. if you're San Francisco. Because Jimmy Garoppolo is a guy who... Yes, has won roughly 70% of his starts with Kyle Shanahan, but he's just not all that available. And you know that he's the guy who, even though he's theoretically the safe choice, he's going to find a linebacker in the numbers <laughs> at some point during the game with a throw. And you can get by that in the regular season, but in the playoffs, that's a fatal flaw. So Jimmy, the, the, the decision on Jimmy Garoppolo for beyond this year he has one more year on his current contract at a $27 million cap hit. But similar to like the Derek Carr scenario, he can be cut or traded and there's a very minimal uh, dead cap hit for the 49ers. It'd be $1.4 million if they trade or cut him after this season. So basically the 49ers can move on to Trey Lance next year and not hurt their cap situation pretty much at all. So I do, I mean, listen, long-term, it's much better to go with Trey Lance right now, see what you have, make and help you start evaluating him for the future. And Hey, can this guy be the quarterback or not? And I think, as you mentioned in the short term, it's certainly not a slam dunk that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to give you a better chance to win playoff games than Trey Lance is right now. So it might be best case scenario to play Trey Lance for both the short term and the long term. coming up. Well, now, oh, go ahead. No, one quick point to make to that. The Ravens yesterday ran all over the Rams, right? What can the San Francisco 49ers do that most other teams can't do as well in the playoffs? They can run the hell out of the ball. And if you put Trey Lance back there as a running quarterback, that might actually give them a better chance both this week and probably next week against the Rams. Which random 49ers running back is going to have 125 yards in a playoff J game? Jermichael Mitchell. Okay. No, wait. Oh, wait. That's this combination of two guys. Exactly, dude. Since you asked me which random running back, I'm well aware who Jermichael Hasty and Eli Mitchell are. I think it's who was the guy they drafted and like they never played this year? Trey Sermon. That one. He's the one that's doing it. He's he's hurt, but coming back, I think, right? Something like that. Trey Sermon, 125 yards in a playoff game. It's happening. Coming up next. Are you excited for Georgia and Alabama again? It was reversed to Barrios. Quarterback has an option based on the look that he has to sneak the ball. In that situation, we wanted the ball handed off to Barrios, but we did a very poor job as a coaching staff communicating that in the huddle, and Zach executed the playbook as it's designed. Unfortunately, if you look at the copy or the uh, TV copy again, Braxton probably has a first down and the game's over, but that's poor job on our part for, the, uh, for lack of communication. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, featuring Adam Candy. We had college football semifinals over the New Year's weekend, and it results in us getting to watch Georgia and Alabama play for the national championship, their second matchup of the season. You excited to watch Georgia and Alabama again, Adam? Well, yeah, I'm excited to watch Georgia and Alabama because after what we saw in the semifinals, would you want to see either one of those teams against either Georgia or Alabama? I mean, maybe I would have wanted to see Michigan against Cincinnati. That might have been fun. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Thank God, by the way, we got Cincinnati into this college football playoff this year because now once and for all, we can put the whole 
why doesn't the group of five get a shot narrative to rest? Should we? I mean, Michigan just got trounced too. Do we eliminate the Big Ten too? Let's find out what happens once uh, Georgia and Alabama get together. I might tell you even a little bit more. Uh, by the way, no, we don't get rid of we don't get rid of the Big Ten entirely. We just get Ohio State to a better conference. So Ohio State to the they're SEC? the only team left that we give a damn about in the Big Ten at this point. <laughs> we don't care. Do we care about the Big Twelve anymore? No. Texas, Texas, which doesn't even really matter to the college football playoff, and Oklahoma left, so now we don't care about the Big 12. The Big 10 has one legitimate program left when it comes to playoff contention, period. Okay, how many legitimate playoff contention programs are there? Year in and year out? What have we seen? If you don't play in the SEC, you're probably not getting in. I guess Clemson is still there unless Dabo jumps ship after this year. Um. I don't know. You think Mark Davis wants him? Uh, he does. And, he probably does really badly. Right? He kind of made it obvious. Um, Ohio State is obviously going to be in that discussion. What Do we put Oregon in there? I guess we've seen enough out of Oregon over time uh, that we can put Oregon in there. So beyond that, who am I forgetting that we that, uh, Oklahoma, obviously. Who else, who else are we seeing every year? Nobody. Yeah. So, okay, let me I you I think I know your answer to this based on the way you're talking about this. The blowouts in the playoffs and we've seen them year after year in the semifinals. Like I think it's 3 of 18 semi or 3 of 16 semifinal games since the playoff was instituted have been decided by one possession. Like we've had blowout after blowout regardless of what team gets cycled in there. Does that make you want to see expansion to eight or 12? Does that make you want to see, hey, let's just go back to two or stay at four? Like, what does that mean to you in terms of what you want to see for a college football playoff? Oh, it absolutely means expansion. And then there are multiple reasons that you can do it. So the first reason you expand is to increase probabilities, right? Like, we know that seeing a game like we saw, two games like we saw on New Year's Eve this year, is probably right in the middle of any sort of distribution of probabilities, right? Like, that's the most likely outcome that we're going to see. But could you get one of those tail outcomes of Cincinnati competing one out of 10, one out of 50 times? Of course you could. It's entirely possible. So you want to increase the possibility of getting that one of those sort of random things going. You also want to increase the possibility of getting a hot team in there. It's really difficult to get the hottest team in the country in whoever that might happen to be because it always ends up going against a full body of work but how many times in the professional playoffs do we see the hottest team not the best team the team that's peaking at the right time be the team that makes the run all the way through it's really hard to do that with only four teams now the other piece of the equation is that let's say we expand it to 16 even right let's say go to 12 go to 16 whatever you want you know what the exciting game is going to be it's going to be those middle teams playing, which at least gives us an exciting game, right? The Rose Bowl was fun. The Rose Bowl was a blast. You essentially had two teams that were top 10 teams that weren't good enough to make the playoffs who gave us an outstanding game. That's the kind of game I want to see as part of a playoff. And maybe one of those teams gets hot and can be a contender against Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, whoever it might be. And that, and so to me, like I go back to like the reason I want expansion is simply to give more teams basically, hey, we had a successful year and we had a shot at winning a championship. Because like this year, if you take teams that played in the New Year's Six Bowl that were not 
the playoffs. So you take the you know Fiesta Bowl with Notre Dame and Oklahoma State, Utah and Ohio State, and Baylor and Ole Miss, right? If if we had an expanded playoff, those teams are all in the playoff, and it probably ends the same. None of those teams are probably playing for the national championship right now, but at least you can say, yeah, yeah, Baylor had a great season. That team was great, and they had a chance, and okay, Alabama beat them by 14 points or something like that, but at least that team now has, hey, our great season ended in a playoff, not eh, a bowl game that did we really care about too much. I think it'll add a lot more excitement throughout the regular season because a team like Baylor, a team like Ole Miss, whatever, those types of programs can say, hey, we finished eighth or ninth this year, and instead of just playing in a bowl game that eh, we didn't really care about, it's now a, hey, we got to play in the playoff, and yeah, Alabama beat us by 14, but hey, we got to play in the playoff. So even if you're an old head, Tyler, who loves to talk about how great things were way back oh. when, right? even if you're an old head, you should want an expanded playoff because if you are Kirk Herbstreet and you have been eating your feelings all year and you spewed them back out on New Year's Eve the way that you did, then you should want players who are more motivated to play in a playoff quarterfinal than to play in the bad boy mowers bowl. You will have less opt-outs, period. You will have far less opt-outs if players playing in a New Year's Six level bowl believe there's a chance at a national championship. No, no. You have to love football so much that if you play in the bad boy mowers bowl, if you play in the Duke's Mayo Bowl... You are going to care about that just as much as if you were in the playoff. You better love football enough that if it was a scrimmage against your own teammates, you're playing as hard as you would if it was the national championship. Well, we all know that NBA players love to go out and (laughs) instead of playing for money, they like to go out and play at practice where it's useless, right? They go out and play pickup at 24-hour fitness so that they can get the love of the game out there on the court, right? They, don't, they they risk their millions of dollars for that. Of course they do. Why don't these kids love the game as much as old people? Love it! They gotta love it just as much as old people. And by the way, Matt Corral was the best example of why kids opt out of a bowl game. He's a potential first-round pick. He gets hurt in the bowl game. Uh, the x-rays were negative, though I haven't seen an actual update on how serious his injury was. But like, just as an example... Matt Corral could be a first-round pick in the NFL draft. If he, say, gets drafted 20th, right, the 20th pick in the 2022 NFL draft is going to be guaranteed a $15 million contract over four years, right? Matt Corral got hurt. Let's just say he fell. He was going to be 20th. Now he gets picked with the first pick of the second round. That's less than $6 million. It's not a guaranteed number, but it's less than $6 million that he would be over his four-year first four-year contract. That's $9 million to fall, like, 13 spots. In the NFL and, draft. And you lose the fifth-year option. Yes. It is not hard to comprehend why someone wouldn't love to play in even the Sugar Bowl or the Rose Bowl that's not in the playoff that year. It's not hard to comprehend why someone wouldn't love that when, hey, you could cost yourself $10-plus million if you get hurt playing in that game. That means nothing because, again, what did Kirk Herbstreit do? Like, during the Rose Bowl, they're at the Rose Bowl, and they're talking about the college football playoff. Like, we know what matters. ESPN and Kirk Herbstreet know what matters. It's not the Rose Bowl. It's not It's not the Sugar Bowl. It's the college football playoff. And if you don't make it, yeah, sure, sure it's fun. It could be nice. But you don't have to love football. Then You can skip out on the Rose Bowl and still love football. It's perfectly fine. All right. Coming up next, Ed Graney joins the show. Can't have success in this league when you turn the ball over the way we did. When you create short fields for a team. 
Okay, every team's going to take advantage of that with the types of position we gave the team. You can't have mistakes in the kicking game like we had at the end of the first half. That's a five-point mistake. We can't do that. It's not acceptable. It's not going to be tolerated. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff featuring Adam Candy. The Giants lost to the Bears 29-3 yesterday in an otherwise irrelevant football game. But... The Giants had negative 10 passing yards as a team because Mike Lennon was 4 of 11 for 20. Is that a real stat line, Adam? 4 of 11 for 24 yards and was sacked four times for 34. How did they? What? They had 24 actual passing yards in a game they were losing? I assume when you put this segment on the rundown, <laughs> you also arranged for some sort of emergency medical services to be outside the door for what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes here. <laughs> um, let me go to Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus to give you a true measure of how bad the Giants passing offense was yesterday. Uh, he was looking at EPA per play, expected points added, said the best offense in the NFL this year is averaging 0.221 EPA per play. The worst is negative 0.103. Doesn't take a advanced degree in math to know that that's about a 0.3 difference. The Giants yesterday averaged negative 2.518 EPA per pass <laughs> against the beaten up Chicago Bears. And Joe Judge, the head coach of the Giants, went into a post-game press conference and answered a question that a reporter asked him, which was, why should the fans believe in what's going on here with an 11 minute rant in which he said that it is not a clown organization and that he can see the progress. I guess the rest of us can't. And also amazingly that he has players who've left the organization to go to other teams who are making more money with other teams, call him and tell him they still want to be with the giants. <laughs> so that's the micro view of how awful things are with the New York Giants right now and how John Mara is making a mockery of his father's organization. But let's go back to September 26th. Warren Sharp, of course, uh, one of the analytical minds in football, tweeted out this. Not at any point, not in any season in the last five years, have the New York Giants had a winning record. Not for a single week. <laughs> That obviously will not happen this year either. <laughs> I don't know what to do as a Giants fan. Do I have to look at this as penance for the Super Bowls that they've won in my lifetime? Because, look, I'm not a Browns fan. It's not like I've had to suffer through that where I just expect everything to be awful. The problem is I have expectations. They've won four Super Bowls in my lifetime. I'm used to seeing this team be able to do better. And now I'm watching the children of Wellington Mara run this franchise into the ground. Why can't New York sports teams get away from the children of competent owners? Jimmy Dolan and the straight shot are destroying the Knicks. And here we are with Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge, and somehow least culpable Daniel Jones <laughs> destroying this team, destroying my desire to even watch Tyler, I did not put that game on for a single that, second yesterday. That was my important question, was how much of this game did you watch? And the answer is zero. Zero seconds? Whatever showed up on Red Zone. Okay. So what, A lot of so Bears possessions? Whatever was involuntary <laughs> showed up in front of me. No, I'll tell you what I did. The best part of it. So uh, 
the Giants have the immediate turnover that turns into seven points for the Bears, then turn the ball over again, which also fairly quickly turns into seven points. Game gets to 14-0. Remember, the total for this game was a robust 36.5. The total went up to 46.5 after those two scores. And I laughed. Oh, we laughed and we laughed and we laughed when we saw the idea that Andy Dalton and Mike Glennon were going to combine for another 32 points in this game. I bet the under in-game immediately, and then I turned it off. That was as much as I watched. Whatever showed up on Red Zone to show me those 14 points, and then the rest of it was over. Because as a Giants fan, the literally the only thing I can root for right now is losses. And remember, the Bears gave the Giants their first-round pick in the literal only trade that Dave Gettleman has made that has worked out in last year's draft. And yet, here I was having to figure out, God, so for draft position, who do I want to win this game? And I ended up saying to myself, nope, Chicago should still win because at least then the Giants still get the number four pick. And maybe, maybe they'll fire Dave Gettleman. That's what I'm reduced to right now. Maybe they'll fire the GM, but the coach that the GM hired, no, no. According to league sources through Adam Schefter, he's safe for next year. <laughs> Joe Judge at 10 and 22 is safe for next year. Why? Why? Because he had a good interview two and a half years ago? Because he's not Ben McAdoo or Pat Shermer? Because you don't like firing coaches? If he took his shirt off and ran off the field like Antonio Brown, I don't think he would be fired. He deserves <laughs> another year, the Maris say. He deserves another chance. Another chance for what? to get up in front of us and rant about his Canadian girlfriend? Oh, players really want to come back. They call me all the time. They did one player on the list. They did one player in all the research. Bill Barnwell did this yesterday. Dalvin Tomlinson is the one player who would actually qualify under the circumstances that Joe Judge put out there. So let's check the phone records. Let's find out if Dalvin Tomlinson has been blowing up Joe Judge's phone with Baby I Miss You. So what do you want him to do with their two top ten picks in the draft? Fire the coach. <laughs> Joe Judge cannot have any hand in these picks. Period. <laughs> he can't. Because beyond the fact that this team isn't winning, if you look at the metrics in terms of uh, coaches who kick when they shouldn't kick, Joe Judge is up at the top of that list. He is still playing regressive football on fourth downs with kicking decisions, with trying to run complicated concepts yesterday on those passes with Mike Glennon behind the single worst offensive line in football, maybe the worst offensive line the Giants have ever had. So what do I want them to do? I want them to make an out-of-the-box hire for a GM, someone who is not a retread like Gettleman. But this franchise values stability. Well, you know what? They found it. They found it. They found stability in being horrible. They have made a stable enterprise of being terrible in the last few years. So what I want is an out-of-the-box GM. And if that out-of-the-box GM is someone who's interviewed before, even like a Lewis Riddick, I don't care. I don't even agree with the way that Lewis Riddick looks at football all the time. But you know what? Just don't give me another retread in the Dave Gettleman mold <laughs> who has destroyed this franchise for the past five years. He has tried to build 
the hog mollies on the offensive line, right? He wants this offensive line to be like the 80s. Well, guess what? The one damn thing he was here to do is the worst part of the team. <laughs> he couldn't fix the one thing that he said he was going to fix. And then they have had the second, fourth, and sixth picks over the last five years. Andrew Thomas, Saquon Barkley, and Daniel Jones. <laughs> and you know what they're going to do. Just to twist the knife, the last thing Gettleman will do before he's fired is extend Saquon Barkley just to make it look better <laughs> that you spent the number two pick on a running back who hasn't been good. That's why you don't draft a running back at number two because they get hurt. Josh Jacobs got drafted in the first round and he sucks because he can't be on the field. They drafted Saquon Barkley 20 picks higher. 20 picks higher. I have to look at Andrew Thomas, who has become maybe the third best left tackle out of his class, and say that's the best pick they got out of having three in the top six. <laughs> so you know what? 30. You know who has benefited the most out of this entire Giants debacle? My dog. My dog has benefited the most because he gets a walk on Sunday afternoons <laughs> between 10 and 1 when I otherwise would be watching the Giants. So, Scout, congratulations. You are the big winner out of the New York Giants turning this franchise into one of the jokes of the NFL. I would rather be the Jets and at least have Zach Wilson. And can you believe how awful that is to even think about? God, I hope they keep Gettleman.